Come here. Come here. Praise. Holy Spirit, we just invite you to pour through Pastor Dick, Lord, that what comes out of him will be what you put in him, Lord, and you've given him a great mind and great way of with the word of that you've given us. But I pray it would be your words that would come forth, and I pray for the hearers, Lord, that we would take in what you've served for dinner today, for our soul, for our spirits. In Jesus' name. Interesting, she prayed for the hearers. It's important that we learn how to hear. You know, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the real miracle was not that they spoke in other languages. It's that everyone heard in their own language. Some of you have probably heard the story. Uh, you, you all met Nani, right, when she was with us. I had a Nani, too. It was Nani's mother. So she was Nani Nani. Right? right? Yeah. So, anyways, um, I lived over in Lockmere. Uh, Nani came up with Nani Nani and her husband, Skip, just to visit. And uh, I had a little lawn tractor in the barn that uh, had a flat tire, and I asked Skip to come up and help me lift it so I could put a block under it to fix the tire. And um, he bends over to pick that thing up, and boy, his spine just popped out, and he was like about this angle. So we get him back into the house, and uh, had some people over that day, and I said, Skip, well, let's go in the living room, we're going to pray. And lay my hands on his back, and begin to pray in tongues, and in my mind, I'm understanding that I am counting off the stripes on Jesus' back, because by his stripes you are healed. And I hit a certain number, and he just went straight up, totally healed, miraculous. And when that happened, it was like the Spirit spun me around, and Nani Nani is standing there, tears are streaming down her face. I said, Nani, Nani, Jesus loves you so much. She says, I know, you just told me the gospel in Italian. Now, I was not speaking in Italian, but she was hearing in her own tongue the glorious good news of Jesus Christ, and she surrendered her life to Jesus that day and died six weeks later. But here's a woman who, as far back as I could remember, she had a little statue of Mary on a dresser with a candle burning in front of it, and every night she'd tend to that candle, and, uh, but never knew Jesus. She only knew Mary until her ears were open to hear. Okay, so it's really important that we pray for those who are to hear the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. And uh, there's a very strong sense of God moving in some very powerful ways uh, in the church. Uh, certainly the vineyard movement in general, and I think especially the eastern region of which we are a part but also right here at Lakes Region Vineyard Church. Some good stuff going on, you know. We're seeing people uh, coming to Christ. Um, healings are taking place. People are being set free from various states of oppression, both spiritual as well as emotional. Our Sunday school kids, I don't know if you're aware of what's going on upstairs, but there's some really good stuff 
going on up there. Our Sunday school kids are being equipped with kingdom of God understanding, right? That's really important of what it means to be a king's kid and beginning to emerge into powerful ministers of God's grace, praying for one another, connecting with the prophetic voice of God and becoming lovers of Jesus who can deeply connect in worship. I, I was so blessed a few weeks ago when I saw little Emma up here uh, with the worship team. I mean, how awesome is that, you know? And just expressing her, the love that she has for Jesus and in new ways for her, you know? Marriages and relationships are being restored and repaired, and there is a unity among the local churches that is growing. God is, God is moving. God is moving. And I believe he's moving in our midst. But another indicator is that God has begun to move us, us as individuals, to shuffle the deck, as it were. We see the shepherds working a church plant in Franklin, Right? Sue Ann Thayer being trained and equipped to plant a church in the Dartmouth area. Upper Valley, is that what that's called? The Upper Valley. I'll have to make a note of that in my head. Upper Valley. I don't even know where that is. Is it in the Dartmouth area? So, okay. All right, good. I do know where it is then. And at this point in time, we have over 50 individuals being trained and equipped in classes for church leadership, growth, and church planting, understanding the supernatural and power gifts and functions of church life through Sockham, and servant leadership through the fivefold ministry gifts of Christ found in Ephesians 4. That's a lot of people actively being trained and equipped in the body of Christ to be ready when God breaks out. He's going to have a lot of people ready to stand uh, firm in, in what he's doing. Besides this, the abbots have reconnected with us from New Zealand as their home church and ministry covering. And Katrina at Homestead, our site church in Wolfboro, is thriving with their leadership team emerging in the region as important voices for the purposes of God in and through the church. Um, it's really kind of cute, this little group of ecumenical churches in the Wolfboro area, the non-spirit-filled, and you know they, they wear the robes when they do the Sunday, and they have certain sashes they wear. And um, about four years ago, uh, they invited Katrina to come and share at their Thanksgiving uh, gathering, I guess. It wasn't a meal or anything. It's just the church leadership got together to pray and be thankful and they all come in with their robes. And they have a certain name. Does anyone know what they call those? Those Albs, Albs, yeah. So, so Katrina comes in in her plaid, right? And the Episcopal priest says, uh, Katrina, do you have your alb with you? She says, I don't think so. <laughs> What's an alb? <laughs> and... Uh, he said, no, you're, fi you're fine in your plaid. You know, really, you're fine in your plaid. So they asked her to, to speak to the group, and they just fell in love with her. And so the last several occasions where they have gathered for town-wide ecumenical gatherings, they've invited her as the keynote speaker. They just keep bringing her back, and now you know, they'll call her up and say, oh, we're 
group of us are getting together for coffee. Could you join us? Could you come over and spend some time with us? You know, I mean, she's making an impact. That's the grace of Jesus Christ, you know, because she carries something that they see as really precious that they themselves don't have. But, you know, the thing about the kingdom, it's highly contagious, right? You hang around it long enough, you begin to catch it. So I think it's kind of neat. You see, when God moves, he moves people. He moves people. But that movement within a move of God is never, nor can it be just the will and whim of individuals only doing the things they want to do as opposed to doing what God is calling them to do. In other words, we become united by the call. And by the call, enabled to move in one accord. You see, by God's design, there is far more power and creative energy in unity than in individual effort. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one. We all know that, don't we? Right? Two are better than one. Because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. There is a strength in unity. We find this principle established in God, not by God, in God himself during the culmination of the creation as he forms man. Listen to this scripture in Genesis 1.26. Then God said, let us make, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. All throughout the creation account, we can see references to each of the persons of the Godhead. In the beginning, God. Here the Father, the self-existent eternal God, expresses his creative desire into play. And God said. Here the word of God becomes the creative force and sustaining power of the Godhead. The Son, as the Gospel of John states, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. This is Jesus who through and by and for all things were created. And then, of course, we have the Spirit of God hovering over the waters of the deep. Each one of the persons of the Trinity, individually active, but when it comes to the pinnacle of God's creation, man, God's image bearer, God brings himself into a self-stated condition of unity. I becomes us. 
and the mind becomes ours. And because we are his image bearer, made in his likeness, the same self-expression of unity of purpose will produce a level of power and creative energy that is, as scripturally stated, limitless in its impact and scope. Genesis 11.1. 1. Now the whole earth had one language in the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do. And nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Why? They learned how to unite. They learned how to come together. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not understand one another's speech. And isn't it, isn't this the source of so much conflict in government, marriages, relationships? We don't really understand one another's speech. Right? How many of you have read the book, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, right? I don't understand what she's talking about. I just don't get it, right? So, <laughs> But what would happen? What would it possibly look like if the power of unity found in the image bearers suddenly came into line with the unity found in the Godhead? It might look something like this. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a right, right, rushing mighty wind. And it, see, I'm going to start to speak in tongues here. <laughs> Look out. Something's brewing, I'm telling you. <laughs> Come, Holy Spirit. Do your thing. <laughs> And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. All of a sudden, it didn't matter what was being said. People understood. This is nothing less than the undoing of the consequences of our own sinful, self-centered nature as expressed at Babel. The restoring in us of the ability to truly hear and understand 
what the will of God is in our lives and in the lives of those who have set their minds on things above and not the things of this world. Here is revealed a chance for real and powerful unity of purpose that can turn our old world upside down. This unity of purpose, this single-mindedness, scripturally referred to as being in one accord, became a consistent plea of the Apostle Paul to the church. Philippians 1.27 Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Make it worthy of the gospel of Christ. So what would that look like? So that whether I come and see you or, in, or I am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. That's worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Philippians 2, 2. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. This mind, this single-mindedness, this one-accordedness, if there is such a word, can only be found in Christ, as Paul states in 1 Corinthians 2.16b. But we have, we have the mind of Christ. Can you say that? I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. See? And the mind of Christ is always apprehended through the heart, a heart humbled by love. This is more than just being active in the church. It's taking ownership of your position in Christ as a child of God and of finding and being responsible for your place in the kingdom of God. Can you today make a heart decision to pursue apprehending the mind of Christ? Can you do that? Finding our way together into a unity that's full of grace and power, that brings glory to God and serves the well-being of people, of others. Hebrews 10.23 says this, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Here it goes. And let us consider how to stir up one another. I know how to stir people up. <laughs> but then you've got to get specific, right? <laughs> let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. To love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So let's do that. Let's consider how we can stir one another up and why we should. And the first thing to consider is, as Paul states, not neglecting to meet together. Not neglecting to meet together. And this is no small thing, especially in our times when individualism is so widely touted as being a sign of strength and accomplishment. In a time in, with a generation that says, hey, it's all about me. 
The word of God says, no, it isn't. It's really all about them. There is no room for the me-alone individuality in the praxis of the kingdom of God, but there is an abundance of grace and power and potential that is the us in the unity of the body of Christ. Even our individuality is interconnected with your corporate identity in Christ as expressed for our care and for each other. Romans 12, 5, Paul says this, So we, though many, are one body in Christ. Now here's the catch. And individually, members one of another. Individually, we are corporate. You can't disconnect the connection. You are part of the body of Christ. Understand this. You cannot undo in the flesh what is a reality in the spirit without doing damage to the soul. I'm going to say that again. You cannot undo in the flesh what is a reality in the spirit without doing damage to the soul. If you have never ever met the I don't need the church Christian who says I can read my Bible, play my worship music and pray by myself and I can watch and listen to all kinds of good preaching and teaching electronically uh, without having to deal with all of the interpersonal crap that goes on in the church, they are usually angry, wounded, disillusioned, or really hurting. See, you can't disconnect in the flesh what your spirit yearns for without damaging your soul. You cannot be a part of the body of Christ while not being connected to the other parts of the body. There will always be phantom pain. Even the whole Gentile, that is, non-Jewish church, that eventually morphed into what we know as Christianity today, according to the Apostle Paul, had to be grafted into the then existing Jewish body of believers in order to be sustained by the deeply rooted true vine of Christ. We need one another because we need Jesus as he is expressed as the manifold grace of God through the variety and individuality of personality and gifting found in the church. And that's found in individuals who make up the corporate church. So Paul continues on this theme in Romans with this admonition in Romans 12.10. Love one another with brotherly affection. I like this. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another in showing honor. How would it be if we worked as hard to get the upper hand in blessing one another as we do when we're fighting with one another? Let me take it a step further and read you this verse in the context of the surrounding verses, a paragraph that is titled in my study Bible, Marks of a True Christian. Marks of a True Christian. Romans 12, 9 through 21. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. 
Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation and constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now it gets really hard. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, I had this discussion recently with a, some group somewhere. I don't know where it came up. But this whole idea of heaping burning coals on someone's head, you know, this is, uh, you might have a thought of what that is. It's what they would do for burning incense. They would heap coals, and then they would put incense on the coals as an offering up to the Lord. So what Paul is saying here, if you bless those who curse you, if you pray for those who despitefully use you, essentially their life becomes like an altar for you to burn incense before the Lord. Your prayers heaped on them rise up to the Lord as a sweet fragrance and offering. So it's not like you're burning their brains. You're saving their souls. See, they become the point of contact for your praise, your deep praise and worship of the God you serve. Because in and of ourselves, we won't do that stuff. We're going to seek vengeance. We're going to get angry. We're going to rage. We're going to send out accusations, right? That's what humans do. But if you love Jesus and you want to serve him and you want to honor him and you want to worship him, then you see that person railing on you as nothing more than an altar and opportunity to send up high praise and worship to Jesus. And they become the burning coals that you put your incense on. And the description is in uh, the book of Revelation where there's this bowl burning constantly, this incense before the throne of God, and it says in the incense is the prayers of the saints. The prayers of the saints. Okay. I want to read you the same, same reading out of the Message Bible. Love from the center of who you are. Don't fake it. Run for dear life from evil. Hold on for dear life to good. Be good friends who love deeply. Practice playing second fiddle. Don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and aflame. Be alert servants of the master, cheerfully expectant. 
Don't quit in hard times. Pray all the harder. Help needy Christians. Be inventive in hospitality. Bless your enemies. No cursing under your breath. Laugh with your happy friends when they are happy. Share tears when they are down. Get along with each other. Don't be stuck up. Make friends with nobodies. Don't be the great somebody. Don't hit back. Discover beauty in everyone. If you've got it in you, get along with everybody. Don't insist on getting even. That's not for you to do. I'll do the judging, says God. I'll take care of it. Our scriptures tell us that if you see your enemy hungry, go buy that person lunch. Or if he's thirsty, get him a drink. Your generosity will surprise him with goodness. Don't let evil get the best of you. Get the best of evil by doing good. That a good word, huh? I like that. One last thing I want to clarify is that you do not become part of the body of Christ by attending church every week or by becoming a church member. I think we abandoned church membership a while ago, right? Uh, in order to become part of the body of Christ, the family of God, you must, as Jesus instructed Nicodemus, you must be born again. And just like natural birth, you need conception, formation, and birthing. Conception in the second birth happens by faith. You come to believe that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, as Paul states in Romans 10.9, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be transformed. Life will begin to be different. Formation takes place through baptisms. Yes, plural, baptisms. Water baptism, where our old self dies and we are raised up into newness of life in Christ and baptism in the Holy Spirit so that we are, as Jesus instructed, born of water and the Spirit. So that just as the baby enters the world in birth, so we are birthed or born again into the kingdom of God. 1 Peter 1.3 proclaims this, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Have you been born again? Have you received Christ as Lord? Have you been water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been birthed into the kingdom of God? If not, then pray with me. Come, Holy Spirit, let's stand and pray together. All of us know where we are in, in our relationship with the Lord the steps we've taken, the validity of those steps. Maybe you've prayed a sinner's prayer, but never really meant all that much to you, never really affected your life in a great way. Maybe you've had a, a secondary experience with the Holy Spirit, you know, but the, the book of Acts shows that they had that over and over and over again. You know, once is not enough.
because what you get in, you give out. And sooner or later, you're going to run out unless you fill up, right? So we're going to pray, and we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And perhaps there's a next step you'd like to take. If you haven't been water baptized, if you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit, listen, we got a baptismal right there. We can do this thing. And we can set this up for next week if you want. So, Holy Spirit, we just invite you to come. We want to be united with you in Christ, beloved of the Father, doing good and living at peace within ourselves and with those around us, O God. Lord, we want to break with the turmoil and the confusion and the anger that so often overtakes our lives, Lord, the the bickering and the quarreling and the arguments and the misunderstanding one another's speech. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and, and do a Pentecost on us? Open up our ears to hear, not only you, O oh God, but to hear one another. Hear the truth that love speaks about one another and abide in that. Help us, Holy Spirit to be more than we are at this moment in time in Christ Jesus. We want to move today from glory to glory and be conformed a little more into the image of Christ. So we invite you to come and orchestrate that in our hearts and in our minds, in our souls and in our spirits, O oh God, that our bodies, our flesh, would be conformed to your way of thinking that we would glorify Christ and be a benefit to the world around us, oh God. Come, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to invite the prayer team to come up, any of you elders, pastors, or Sockham students who proficiently pray. Just come up front here.